As a part of this series on the book of Revelation, I wanted to be mindful that you got a bigger, broader picture of eschatology, what we call that. That means the study of future things. Obviously, over the next several months, we're going to be looking at some detail of what we call the tribulation period. The tribulation period is a seven-year period of intense uh, judgment of God, by God, excuse me, on the unbelieving world and upon his own nation, the children of Israel. We'll look at that in some detail next week. Uh, But we also want to emphasize a, a paradigm of looking at future events. And it brings us into focus of pausing just for a minute with a reminder about what the rapture of the church is and how it relates to the church, how does it relate to Israel, and all of those sorts of things that I think are uh, important for you to understand. And so in a moment, I'm going to give you some big picture principles to think about as we're going to study the rest of the book of Revelation together. But our study today is going to take us out of that and into 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 as I read just a moment ago. In 2007, the largest evacuation for fire in United States history took place in Southern California. Emergency personnel evacuated 350,000 homes, and more than 1 million people were displaced as 16 simultaneous wildfires touched down in Southern California and torched the landscape. Prior to 2007, the San Diego County emergency officials issued out an opportunity for people to opt in to a reverse 911, meaning they could put their numbers in, they could sign up to receive notifications specifically from the county if they were in a fire zone and in danger. Citizens who lived in these fire zones were asked to register their phone numbers with the agency so that when future fires put them in harm's way, one simple phone call would go out to everyone on the list. Well, 2007 was the first moment when the reverse 911 system was used, and yet, as could be expected, not everyone registered their phones. Some ignored the call. And many hundreds of people lost their homes and many lost their lives. Now, folks, we can do any and everything possible to prepare people for what is coming. But not everybody finds themselves prepared because, simply put, they ignore the obvious warnings that, in this case, God would put out. Now, folks, I'm here to tell you. The rapture of the church of Jesus Christ is both a great encouragement to people who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. In fact, that's what verse 18 says. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But I will be the first to tell you this morning that the rapture of the church should also serve as an enormous warning to anybody that is outside of the person of Christ, anybody that does not have a personal relationship with Christ as Savior. Now, I talk about the rapture of the church. Let me be clear. In our English Bible, you do not see the word rapture. You do see the word rapture in the Latin Bible, and it's a translation of this word here caught up in verse number 17. 
It's the same concept as we looked at in chapter 4 of Revelation. God said, come up here. The idea is to be snatched up or to be caught away, to be seized upon. And the word rapture is developed as a uh, part of God's future plan for the world. And the first step, if you will, of uh, the the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what uh, Paul says in the next letter to the Thessalonians in chapter 2 and verse number 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him... That you not be soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as, as if the day of Christ is already at hand. So even in the early church, they believed that Jesus was going to call them out in the rapture at any moment. In fact, uh, Paul's letter to the first Thessalonians, he's answering questions like, wait a second, uh, Paul, people have died. And we don't know where they're at, and we don't know how this is all going to work out. And so Paul in verse 13 says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those people who have fallen asleep and what's going to happen when I call them out of their graves and call the church to come home. Folks, I want you to understand something. The rapture of the church is a clear Bible doctrine taught for us in three major passages. That would be John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, And then again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 58. Now these are major, big discussions of the principle. And I want to share with you something this morning as I get into this message as to why I believe that the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ will take place prior to the tribulation period that we're going to begin studying next Sunday morning. Okay, now let me give you five reasons this morning. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. Uh, But I want to give these five to you so that you understand where we're coming from. Because you ought to understand, not everybody believes this. Uh, Not everybody is an enemy who does not necessarily believe this. There are people who believe the gospel, that are followers of Christ, that believe the rapture is going to happen after the tribulation period, in the middle of the tribulation period. But let me give you the five reasons why I believe it is going to happen prior to the tribulation period. Number one, I believe in the literal nature of the Bible. The literal nature of the Bible. I believe when God makes a promise, he intends to keep the promise literally. Whether the promise was to Israel or the promise was to the church, whether the promise was about the first coming or the promise was about the second coming, I believe God's word is to be taken literally. And so many people take God's word spiritually or they spiritualize scripture. And the main problem with that, folks, is simply this. If you can spiritualize everything in the Bible, you become the primary interpreter rather than God becoming the one that interprets for us. If the plain sense makes sense, make no other sense, or you have nonsense. Okay, that is a biblical principle of study. So number one, I believe in a rapture because of the literal nature of the word. Number two, I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture because of the imminence of his return. The singular greatest characteristic of the teaching of the rapture of the church in the Bible is this. It is coming soon. It is coming quickly. It is coming without warning. Folks, listen, I meant what I said earlier today. 
the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ could happen before I am done preaching this message today. It could happen before you pillow your head at night. It could happen before you show up at school tomorrow morning. All the kids said amen, right? It could happen in a moment, as the songwriter said. Here's the bottom line. There is absolutely nothing in the world that needs to take place before Jesus Christ comes again. And we should be working as if he's coming. We should be watching as if he is coming. And we should be witnessing as if he is coming today. Number three, the third reason why I believe that the the rapture will take place before the tribulation is the purpose of the tribulation. Why is God bringing seven years of judgment on this earth in the future? And here's the answer. The answer is, it is the promised day of the Lord. It is the promised day of the Lord from Daniel chapter number 9. It is the promised time of Jacob's trouble from the book of Jeremiah and the book of Ezekiel. God told them that there is going to come a day of tribulation against my people and against an unbelieving world. And Daniel said this is going to take place over the course of 490 years. The last seven years of that time has not happened yet. I'll talk about that next week, but listen very carefully. The purpose of the tribulation is to purify Israel and bring them back to himself, and it is to judge the world that has thumbed its nose at God. So... Why are we not going to be in the tribulation? Simple answer, the tribulation is not for the church. Number four, I want to give you the fourth reason why I believe the rapture will take place prior to the church, and that is the promise to the church. Notice what he says here in verse number five, uh, chapter number five, verse one of same text. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. Notice, if you will, uh, down in verse 8. But let those of us who are uh, of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet, the hope of salvation. Watch this. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. John MacArthur said these words, the Thessalonians fears that they were in the day of the Lord and thus had missed the tribulation imply that the rapture precedes the tribulation. They were going through such heartache and headache that they wrote Paul and said, what's going on? I thought you said we were out of here. And Paul says, hang on, guys. The day's not happened yet. It's not going to overtake you like a thief in the night. You're listening for the trumpet. You're listening for the voice. You're looking for the Savior. And by the way, not every tribulation or difficulty in the Bible that is spoken of is the great tribulation or the tribulation period. We are going to go through difficult times, folks. If you think for a minute that this world is going to become more friendly to God, more easy to be a Christian, more welcome to our witness, more more inclined to follow God, you've lost your mind. The days of it being easy to be a believer are long past us, folks. The day to stand, the day to endure, and the day to look for Jesus Christ is upon the church. And number five, I believe there is a distinction between Israel and the church in the Bible. You can write down 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, and there's many other places. But folks, listen, there is Israel. It is a nation. It is God's people. There was a real land. There were real people that occupied that land. They occupy that land today. There are real people that God has put his promised blessing on. 
You say, do you think Israel's going to win this war? Of course they're going to win this war. The last time these knuckleheads tried that, they got destroyed in six days, although they outnumbered Israel by like ten times the army. Do not think Israel's going to lose. They will not lose. They cannot lose because Jesus Christ is the king of Israel. However, there is a difference between Israel and the church. The church did not replace Israel. Listen, God made promises to Israel that he will fulfill in the future. Promises about land, promises about blessing, promises about his kingship over the millennial. I could go on and on and on and on and on. We are the church. We are not Israel. And one day Jesus is going to call his church out, those that he has been using for 2,000 years, and he's going to return his focus to Israel. That's why there's 144,000 Jewish witnesses. That is why there's no church in the rest of the book of Revelation. Are y'all listening to me? We are gonna be out of here, okay? That's what's going to happen. Now, you, friend, better be ready. When I say we, I'm not talking about the people that together occupy this building. Because, friend, you could be in this building and outside of Jesus. Folks, I've said this a hundred times at this church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being inside of a garage makes you a car. You are not a Christian because you go to church. You are a Christian because you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, I got to tell you, you say, are you trying to scare me? I would, if I could, if somehow I could personally scare you and keep you out of a devil's hell, believe me, I would. But that's not what I'm trying to do today. What I'm trying to do is let you look at the Bible and see what the Bible says about something that is definitely going to happen to ensure that you are ready when it does. Okay, now, now I want to show you today from the text of Scripture three principles that we should live by in light of the rapture. Number one, we should accept the promises of the rapture. We should accept the promises of the rapture. Notice, if you will, back in chapter 4, and look, if you will, in verse 15, watch this. For this we say to you, watch it, by the word of the Lord. This is not Brian's word. This is not the word of the Baptist church. This is not the words of the leadership of this congregation. This is not the words of my mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa. These are the words of God. And if God says something, folks, you can count that his word is true. You may have heard this said before. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Folks, that's absolutely false. God said it. That settles it. Okay, whether you believe it or not is irrelevant. Now, I would advise you to believe it. Let every man be found a liar and let God be true. But please understand, your belief is not necessary for God's word to be true. And I want to tell you some promises that he was going to come the first time as a baby. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 said that he was going to be born of a virgin. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 said he would be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah chapter 61 said this is how his earthly ministry would look. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 said he would ride into Jerusalem on a colt and he would be triumphantly received in Jerusalem. Zechariah chapter 11 said he would be sold out by 30 pieces of silver. Isaiah 53 said he would die on a cross and be pierced and be bruised before there was even a crucifixion. 
Psalm 69 verse 21 said they would offer him vinegar as he died on the cross. Psalm 22 verse 18 said they would gamble for his garments at the cross. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7 through 10 said he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. But thank God, Psalm 16 verses 8 through 11 say he would rise from the dead the third day. Hey, folks, listen. The Bible clearly said he will come. And he did. And now the Bible says he will come again. And he will. Not only do we know his promises are sure, we also know that his people, listen, his people are secure. His people are secure according to verse 14. Everyone who dies in Jesus will rise one day in Jesus. Verses 16 and 17 say that Jesus is going to come for his own. Listen very carefully. There is nothing but encouragement. There is nothing but promise. There is nothing but hope found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for people that know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. I want to tell you something this morning. You are safe in Jesus. You are secure, you are protected, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, and that will not be redeemed until the day of redemption. Accept the promises of the rapture. Number two, embrace the comfort of the rapture. Just soak in verse 18 for just a minute. Encourage one another. Comfort one another with these words. What comfort do we get knowing that Jesus Christ is coming again. Let me give you two things. The first comfort that we get knowing that Jesus Christ is coming again is that our bodies will be resurrected just like Jesus' body was resurrected from the dead. Do you realize in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Jesus was the first fruits of them that slept, meaning Jesus is the one that faced and defeated death and rose again never to die again, and he was the first fruits? That means there's going to be more crop that follows... Who's the crop that's going to follow? Those who believe in Jesus Christ. I'm talking to people today. I know there's people sitting in this room facing questions, facing difficulties, facing doctor's appointments, and you're wondering what's going to happen. Friend, I'm just going to encourage you as most I can today. It doesn't matter what happens to you in this life. In Jesus, you will be raised from the dead. I mean, isn't this what happened uh, at at Lazarus' tomb? When Lazarus said that, Jesus, that, that he's going to rise, uh, raise Lazarus from the dead, and Mar- Mary and Martha said, Lord, I, of course we know he's going to raise from the dead one day. She knew in a resurrection. And then the Lord looks at her again and says, I'm not talking about that resurrection. That one's true. I'm talking about a bigger resurrection, one I'm getting ready to do right now. Why? Because I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. Has anybody listened to me today? When you die, you're not dying. It is not death to die. When you die, it is an entrance into eternity. It is your last day on earth. It is your first day in heaven, and you'll be so forever with the Lord. Good night, people. There is nothing to fear. There is nothing to worry over. There's only hope and promise that if you have Christ as your Savior, you will live forever with him one day. And not only, not only is there a resurrection, there is a reunion. He says he's going to catch you up. Oh, let me just read it because it's so good. Verse 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Somebody better mark them down. Them. Who's them? Them 
are all the people that are taken in the rapture who had preceded you in death. The Bible says that those who died in Christ before those who are going to be alive when he comes are going to precede us in the rapture. And then when you go up, here it is, you're going to be, watch this, with them. I was looking at Anna thinking, your dad's going first. And then you're going right behind him. And then you're going to be with him forever. I was thinking about your son. Just why I was saying that. Lori's son. He's going first. And then she's going to be with him. Folks, I'm talking about a reunion, Brother Greg, your son. He's going first. And then you're going with him. Somebody better help me up here. Does anybody else have somebody die in your life in Jesus? Somebody you love? Somebody that knew him? Somebody that followed him? And they went before you? Oh, listen, friend. You're going to be with them forever. It's a reunion. I'm thinking of my wife who just celebrated the, not celebrated, just had to remember the 10-year anniversary of her dad's death at age 52 from cancer. And I'm telling you right now, my wife's told me repeatedly through this message series on Revelation, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to see dad. I'm ready to get caught up in the clouds. I don't know about you guys, but I tell you, I'm sure a whole lot more looking forward to being up there with God's people and my loved ones. And get this, my Jesus, than I am stuck down here. In this crazy world that's exploding and imploding before our very eyes. It's crazy to me. Some of y'all love this world. That's what God says not to do. <laughs> there, are, there are young people in this room. All you do is love this world. And you want to know what that future is? It's going to burn up with, with fervent heat. There is nothing in this world for you. This is, why, this is why Demas forsook Paul. In 2 uh, Timothy chapter 4, it said, He forsook me having loved this present world. I'm not talking about, guys, please. I'm not talking about a hairstyle. I'm not talking about a musical style. That's so childish. Can we get away from talking about worldliness as far as what kind of jeans you wear? I'm talking about a love for this age. I'm talking about a love for this place. I'm talking about having no concern about what's going on on the other side. No concern. Uh, young people, please listen to your preacher this morning. You better get caught up in things that actually matter. You better fix your eyes on heaven. You better set your affection on things above and not on the things of the earth. This world is going to burn away And all that's going to be left is Jesus His people, His word And His heaven And I tell you, right now is the time to live for that Right here and right now You go ahead friend You go ahead and do what you want to do Live for what you want to live Spend however you want to spend it He's coming And when he does All this mirage Of success and pleasure, and what seems that we'll be just kind of doing this forever, that mirage is going to vanish so quickly away. And the only thing that will be left is the only thing that really matters. That's why Jesus says, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can corrupt and thieves cannot break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your heart today, friend? Where's your heart? 
And I, I'm praying, I, I, and I'm, I'm not just trying to single you guys out. I'm talking to my young people. I'm talking to all these college students. I'm talking to some young married people in this room. That's particular. Some of these old people back here with tears running down their face, they know what I'm talking about. They're, ready, they're more ready than I'm ready to get out of here. But I'm looking at some of you young people right now, and I'm telling you that your concerns oftentimes are not concerns about God, not concerns about laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not concerned about souls, not concerned about following God with your present and your future. I'm just telling you, this Look, this series ought to slap, wake you up into what really is going on in this world. So number one, we accept his promises. Number two, we embrace the comfort. Number three, and very quickly, listen to me, we heed the warning of the rapture. What is the warning of the rapture? It is that it is sudden in nature, chapter 5, verse 2. It is going to come as a thief in the night. The well-worn illustration from this verse is this. When does a thief come? Most obviously, when you do not expect it. When it's at night, when you're out of town, when you're unprepared. That's why Matthew chapter 23, verse 43 says, Watch therefore, for you know not the hour uh, that our Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known uh, what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. He would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man is coming. We should be living As Adrian Rogers said, like Jesus Christ died yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming back tomorrow. Every single day of our lives in expectation of the sudden nature. But let me say this. There is a solemn nature of his judgment. Verse 3. Watch this. Watch this. I want everybody to listen. If you've tuned me out every minute of this sermon except for this one, please, I'm asking you, give give me five minutes. And read verse 3 with me, and I want to point you to one other passage. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Take that warning right there. For the person in this room that says, I'm okay, peace and safety, it's all good, this preacher's crazy, that's what they said about Noah too. He preached far longer than I did. People treated him far worse than they treat me. They thought he was nuts. There's no flood coming. Old man, get a grip. Some of y'all are looking at me with all this gray in my beard, and you're going, you're just old. You're just old school. That's what my kids tell me. You're just old school. You're just old-fashioned. Okay, I am telling you, watch out when you're thinking, I'm okay. Everything's fine. Peace is here. Safety is here. It's no problem. Sudden destruction comes like the first arresting birth plane of a woman who's about to give a baby. Now, let's go over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to finish here, and then we're going to be done, okay? Man, I've got a lot of time here this morning. It's only 1041. I, that clock can be good and bad back there, okay? It can tell me you've got a long way to go, or it can tell me to shut her down, okay? And right now it's telling me, keep going, okay? That's what it's telling me. Good. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Now listen, I want you to, I'm going to read it, some of this, but, and I, I, in, in the spirit of warning, listen, verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our gathering together to him. Now, there's a difference between the rapture and the second coming. I've told you that, and I I believe this is one of the clearest places. The rapture is our gathering together with him. The second coming is his return to this earth with us. And we'll talk about that when we get to the end of Revelation, but there's a distinction there. Look at verse 2. 
not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if, it, as if though that day had come. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he sets as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And then this crazy world that we are living in, there are going to be people that are going to accept it and believe it. You just wait. You just wait till the Antichrist promises to bring a solution both politically, spiritually. How about financially? You just wait. You just wait till he says, take this mark in your body and you will be financially secure. And watch the whole world go over a cliff after him. Because in some people's mind, money is the only thing that matters in their life. And you wait till the Antichrist promises to fulfill it all for everybody. You don't think they're going to be duped and deceived? Well, that's exactly what the text says. Now, I'm going to skip down, if you will. Uh, verse 6 and 7 talk about the one that is restraining, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is removed in the rapture and the coming, and then the mystery of lawlessness is going to start working with the restrainer. Hey, guys, can you even imagine... Can you imagine how wicked this world's going to be without the presence of the Holy Spirit here? Can you even imagine? It's wicked right now. Like crazy. Did anybody see the elderly people shot up on the side of the street in Tel Aviv yesterday? Kidnapping women and children, putting bullets through their body, raping, murdering them, and parading them around the streets. You guys think it's bad now? You just wait till God takes the presence of the Holy Spirit through his people out of this world and then real lawlessness is going to break out and, and that's called the tribulation. It's going to be nuts. Now watch this. Verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. He will have power. He will have signs. He will have lying wonders. And with all... By the way, how's he going to have lying wonders? You ever heard of the internet? You ever heard of movie uh, antics and graphics? And you ever seen like some... Good night. Have you ever watched like Mission Impossible or some 007 crazy movie or some, some alien abduction kind of movie? Folks, this is going to be everywhere. And everybody's going to think everything that he's doing is real. This is real. Now watch this next verse. And with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish. Watch this phrase, everybody. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth. Watch this. But had pleasure in unrighteousness. Folks, listen very carefully and I'm done. Listen very, very carefully. If you are here today without Jesus for whatever reason, you are living your life, you are doing your thing, you're believing a false gospel, you're, you're, you're living in pleasure, you're living in sin, you don't want anything to do with God, you don't want anything to do with the gospel, listen very carefully. If the rapture happens today while I am preaching and you have heard the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ be proclaimed, when the rapture takes place and the man of sin is revealed and the deception starts, you will have secured forever your eternal destruction because you did not accept it when you had a chance. You say, are you saying nobody's going to get saved after the rapture? Are you kidding me? 
there's going to be probably more people saved after the rapture than probably been saved the years leading up to the rapture. And that's going to be heavily those people who had never heard the gospel. And when Israel's blinders are removed through the witnesses in the tribulation period, there's going to be a revival like you've never seen in your life. And they're going to suffer for it. They're going to be tried for it. It's going to be crazy. I'm talking to us right now. I'm talking to somebody that's sitting in church, but you've never been saved. I'm talking about somebody that's been visiting. I'm talking about somebody who comes in here on the shirt tails of mom and dad every week, and you've never been saved yourself. That's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to somebody that's playing a game. I'm talking to somebody who's doing religion, but they don't have Jesus as their Savior. I'm talking about somebody you know the gospel better than I do, and you probably told other people how to believe it themselves, but you've never yourself accepted it. Friend, please heed the warning. If Jesus comes today before this sermon is over, you're going to get left behind. And if I were you, I would drop what I'm doing right now. And I would come to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior so that when he comes, I'm going with him. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Folks, listen, he's coming again. It's a wonderful and exciting day. A promised hope for those that are saved. A fearful warning to those who are not. I felt like I needed to give you this perspective. You need to see what things are coming. Folks, we're heading into a revival meeting this weekend. We're asking God to stir us and speak to us. Folks, listen, the greatest thing that can happen in your life right now is if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today would be that time. You would open up your heart like the front door of your house and welcome Jesus into your life right now. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can be, leave that today, right now, right here. You can accept that. For your own right now just in your heart right now just right there where you're seated just say Lord Jesus just do it right now Lord Jesus I cannot save myself but I thank you that Jesus died for me I thank you that he rose again from the dead Lord, today, right now, I accept you as my only Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Help me never to be ashamed of you. I wonder right here, right now, across this room, how many of you would say, Preacher, I just prayed that prayer. I just asked Jesus to be my Savior. I meant it. I'm glad that I did. I do not want to miss the rapture. I do not want to be left behind. I just asked Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. And preacher, I'm glad that I did. If that's true of you across this room, who would say, preacher, I just did that? Would you let me know who you are by just slipping up your hand? Would you do that? Just raise your hand right up. Would you do that? God bless you, sir. Amen. Great. Wonderful. Wonderful. Praise his name. Who else? Preacher, that's me. I just prayed the prayer a minute. Glad I did. I just accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. In just a moment, I'm going to encourage you when we dismiss. We got, we got Brother Cliff in the back. He's right by this booth called the Next Steps booth. He's got a gift he wants to put into your hand. He wants to talk to you for a brief moment to ensure 
that you understand your decision and help you take your next steps of following Jesus. Let's rejoice with these this morning as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. We thank you for saving souls this morning. God, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would challenge us. I pray that we will be mindful. And God, that you will use this closing song as a, to be received as worship for all you've done. Lord, I thank you for being here for us and with us. And I thank you for the promise of the rapture. Be with Israel today. And Lord, I pray for the peace of that country. Lord, I know that I'm praying that by praying that you would come soon. And we pray you will even so in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.